Now, Lord God, we pray uh, that the word that comes forth, that it would take root in our hearts and that it would grow to maturity to produce all the fruit that you desire in our life, Lord God. So we open our hearts and our minds to you today as we open the word of God. May you be exalted in our life today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our society seems to be changing at a rapid pace right before our eyes. In fact, if you t don't take time to pray and reflect about what's going on, uh, you will surely be suckered punched by all the stuff that's happening. We see the rise of young adults who care about what happens to people who are held at a disadvantage by the law. We also see an insurgence of, of groups of rogue religious people who in the name of their religion uh, strike at innocent people to make a name for themselves or to prove some point. The interesting thing is that this is happening all over the world. It's not just happening in this place, in this place. In fact, if you look in some of our neighborhoods and uh, some of the violence that's happening in our neighborhoods, uh, it's almost, you can take that and transport that over into the Middle East. Isn't that crazy? So if you haven't seen all the things that are going on, that means you have been asleep. For any person in a place, in any place today, there is indeed some group or some organization that you can side on that has your way of thinking. They will support whatever craziness that comes uh, to your mind. And if they don't support that craziness, you can start your own crazy thing. So in our minds, we think and we believe because we've had a thought that it must be true. All kind of nonsense. But just because we can think something doesn't mean that it's true. Just because you feel as if a certain feeling has overcome you doesn't mean that those feelings are true to fact. Are you aware of that? This is why that there must be accountability. Because we can think whatever we want to think, but at the end of the day, it is that sage or, or that peer or that teacher who will tell us, yes, what you're saying is really good, or what you're saying, you know, you're really, really crazy. But there's always a place that we can go, amen? At least in theory. Always a place that we can go and feel comfortable. That place that we can be ourselves. Because you know uh, that when we're at work or when we're at school, we can't necessarily be ourselves, right? We have to put on uh, a certain airs or uh, certain acts of professionalism that we really can't let it all hang out. But where can we go that we can let it all hang out? 
That place is home. That place is family. Family is a place and a people where we can connect. Even when there are differences on a level uh, that's deep, uh, not on a superficial way, uh, but on a level that's deep uh, because of the common blood that flows through our veins. Because you know at the end of the day, uh, when somebody in your family makes you mad, uh, you can get mad as much as you want, but you know when you wake up on the next day, there's still your brother, there's still your sister, there's still your mother, your father, your, they're, 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 even if you decide that, you know, I need for there to be a division between us, there's still our family because of that blood. And we can't shake that regardless of what we do. Who is really your family? Who's really your family? Every Sunday uh, we hear during our announcements, uh, you, you've heard it time and time again, we are all what? What's the word? Family. What does that mean when we hear that up here week after week? What does it mean and is it really true? Can we honestly say that we are all family or do we just nod our head and, and just to be polite to our wonderful and beautiful announcer? He knew them and they thought that they knew him. After all, when your family knows who you are, uh, you will always be whoever you are in the family. Uh, one of the things I always was in my family, as my mother used to always say that, and even my father, uh, that this is my baby. And you know, when you're 18 and, and you're 19 and 20 and 21, it's like, look, you know, uh, Ma, I don't want to hear that. How are you going to tell your friends and my friends that I'm your baby? Boy, how I would love to hear those words now. Those people in our family, uh, because they know us so much, they think they can make certain statements about us. Because they knew us when we were X, Y, and Z. Can't you imagine Jesus at the time of, uh, if they had a Thanksgiving, uh, let's say Yon Kipper or or Sabbath, or, or, or something like that, right? When, when, when all the family came, sisters, and uncles, and aunts, and them saying, Jesus, uh, can you go get me a Sprite out the refrigerator? A little Jesus, can you do this, or, or, or can you do that? And you know, Jesus, he was always uh, the one that was always building that little table, even when he was younger, how he put it all together. Jesus, can you uh, build me something for my house? Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, we know Jesus. I'm his uncle. He'll do whatever you tell him to do, as long as you tell him I told you. But as you are aware with family, they don't always feel like family. Someone has once said that, that they are not my family, that they are my damnly. 
There are tensions and challenges that cause relationships to strain while you try and figure out what to do and, 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 and where to turn within that family unit. But in this message today, we will observe that strain on the, so to speak, who seems to make a, some definitive move in regards to the people that knew him as a child, but didn't know him as their Messiah. In this, Jesus will teach us where our priorities lie in regards to who is our family. Mark chapter 3, verse 20. Mark chapter 3, verse 20. Walking in obedience to your call may mean that your family might not understand. Walking in obedience to your call may mean your family, they may not understand. Mark chapter 3, verse 20. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, uh, he is out of his mind, right? We expect uh, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and all those who are in opposition to Jesus Christ to say, that man is out of his mind. He has a Messiah complex. <laughs> but we don't expect our own family to say, he's nuts. She's nuts. So Jesus' family they heard all the commotion that was going on and they came to a conclusion that he had simply gone crazy. It's quite likely they heard in this story what had been going on with Jesus and possibly at this point even seen him in action. We must remember that in these small towns in comparison to urban areas or, or major metropolis of their day, that word would spread really fast. Amen? If you don't want to uh, want people to know your business and what you do is, uh, you can go and hide in the big church, right? You can always go and sit because folks are taking care of this, but when it gets down to small sizes and people get a chance to really know you and you get a chance to be discipled, then people get to know you a little bit more intimacy, intimately and they kind of know what's going on in your life. And I tell you, I submit to you, that ultimately this is the place that God wants us. I have many reasons for that, uh, reasons of fact. I don't have a chance to get to that today, but I want you to know that this is the place that God really wants us. And that's, that's why we can say, we are all family. Amen. So word had begun to circulate rather quickly about uh, this Jesus uh, who was beginning to upset a few of the establishment religious and political leaders. Uh, prior to this section, uh, we read uh, the finalized list of the original 12 disciples whom Jesus had called to himself. Look at that. Mark chapter 3, uh, verses uh, uh, 13 all the way through verses 18. Uh, there is the list of the 12 disciples. 
Now Jesus had called people to himself. So now this Jesus who had already performed miracles, now he's getting real. Now Jesus is getting serious. Now everyone is turning around and they're taking note. They say, wait a minute, I just thought he was doing this. Now he's calling men to himself, uh, developing a group. Sure, there were many other types of philosophers and teachers during that day, but Jesus stepped out of the, in a way that it drew special attention during miracles. There were no other philosophers or religious teachers casting out demons. There was no other uh, person of great high thought uh, that was healing the sick or could even proclaim uh, the fact that I can forgive your sins. No one else was doing this. No one uh, could compare with the power and focus of Jesus uh, while he was announcing through his works and through his teaching that he was Messiah. Jesus was saying that a new day had arrived. <laughs> but now his family had simply thought that this Jesus that I have always known has finally lost his mind that he is beside himself I know Jesus was God but I can't help to think about the fact that in his humanity uh, that that possibly I don't know that that possibly that could have been hurtful but here I am Standing in all righteousness, performing miracles, bringing healings, casting out demons, forgiving sins. And then you tell me, uh, even in that, uh, that I'm losing my mind, that I've lost my mind. Surely, his divinity, his deity was strong. And that didn't faze him at all in that area. Uh, but, uh, but just to think that your own family says that you're crazy that even though that you may be strong and even though you may be able to walk down the line somehow that takes a chunk out of you if it wasn't the case with jesus surely it's the case for us of all the people you would expect to support you as you move forward certainly you would think that your family would be right there with you some people say that, uh, wait a minute, if you can't convince your family, then you can't convince me. Show me the proof through your family first, then come have a conversation with me. If you can't convince your family, then why should anyone else follow you? This is a reality that you must face when you are convinced as a person led of the Lord and even as a leader of which you must accomplish and which you must work out. You must make the decision, can I move forward without my family? Now, I'm not talking about you within your family and which is time to support your family, men or women, whatever the case may be. You know, uh, they're not with me on this thing, so I'm not going to cook. I'm not going to go to work. No, we're not talking about that because you still have to do that. Amen? Because you're the one that got married. You're the one that made the commitment before the Lord. You're the one that had those kids. So you have to do what's right before the Lord. 
talking about all those other friends, folks, when you begin to move out in your calling and what God has called you to do, who begin to talk about you, call you crazy, and everything else that you can possibly imagine. So can you move forward without them is the question. If your answer is no, then you may not be called into this wonderful calling that God has for you. If your answer is yes, then you can expect not only resistance there within your family, but also expect resistance on your job, resistance in the grocery store, resistance all over the place. Matthew chapter 13, verse 57. Matthew 13, 57 says here, and they took offense at him. As he was in his own hometown, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. Jesus said that. Jesus, in other words, he was saying that uh, when it's time for honor, oftentimes most people uh, uh, within your family, they're not going to be the primary ones to give it to you. Oftentimes what's going to happen is going to come from outside the family, and then when they recognize it's come from outside the family, then your family may join in. Because remember, you know, everybody was not on board with Jesus and his Messiahship. They were not all on board and think about it think about it for a second think about how many ministers who become a pastors of churches that oftentimes they don't become pastors of churches in the place where they grew up oftentimes think about it they move to somewhere else and then when they move to somewhere else somehow god miraculously supernaturally allows that minister to ministry to prosper think about it think about it for a moment Here in Matthew 13, 57, even the people of Jesus' hometown, not just his folks, began to question him in his ministry. They thought that just because they knew him, they had a right to direct him and, and get him in line. Now, just because you know this as a fact in your head, just because you know that this is what Jesus says, that a prophet is not without honor except within his own hometown and among his own family, even though we get that in our head and we believe it to be true, it doesn't make it any less hurtful in your heart. So that which is of the world and the flesh attempts to lay claim on the spiritual. That which is of the world and the flesh, attempts to lay claim on the spiritual. Now let's look at Mark chapter 3, verse 31. Mark chapter 3, verse 31 and 32. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside they said to him and called him, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you, or looking for you, or in today's vernacular, Jesus, your mama and your daddy out there looking for you. I'm not sure about you, 
But as a child, you remember running the streets of the neighborhood. You remember that years ago that you didn't have to worry too much, right? We, we, we thought about it. But you could run all over the place in the neighborhood. Or not the neighborhood. I remember, I'd always tell these stories, and you've heard part of this story before too, just remembering that time in which, you know, I could go over someone's house and my parents said, as long as you X, Y, and Z around here, these blocks, you're okay, right? And if you don't know where we lived at, we lived near Simeon High School. So me and my friends, once I got that freedom, we had decided that we were going to, at that time, to Comiskey. On our bicycles, we rode our bikes from like 79th Street all the way to Sox Park. And we decided we, we concocted. point is that I, it seems like I remember once getting back, uh, people saying, uh, David, uh, your mom was looking for you. They've been looking for you. I'm like, no, I'm okay. They said I could be free. And knowing in the back of my mind, I was doing something I had no business doing. Uh, but, uh, but when you hear those words, your mama or your daddy has been looking for you. It sends chills up your spine because you know that they thought uh, that he was out of his mind and they wanted to seize him, to remove him from the crowd. Or maybe in the back of their minds, they were thinking that this Jesus was causing so much trouble that they had to quickly get him out. Why? 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 Looking here in verse 32. Reading in the ESV, it says, And a crowd was sitting around them, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. One thing that's missing from our English translation uh, is the word look, or is the word behold here. But the word uh, do is actually missing from this translation. And oftentimes, a translator, they believe, is not always necessary uh, to put that word there, especially when it occurs uh, with frequency within the text. So that's one flow of thinking within the translation. My flow of thinking within the translation, when you hear a word like that, in this particular context, Jesus is teaching. And you remember what Jesus was teaching? Do you remember that? Does anyone know? What was Jesus teaching or preaching about? Does anyone know? Blasphemy. In the middle of blasphemy, his mother and his brothers, uh, they say, uh, someone tells him that his mother and brother look and they say, look, your mother and your brothers are looking for you, Jesus. Surely when your family shows up, you're going to give preference to them. 
Jesus' family was now trying to pull rank. They were sending a message that Jesus needed to heed it, heed their call. And we've seen how what Jesus was talking about, he was talking about blasphemy. But also notice in our text, there's something very interesting that's missing, especially when we think of this Christmas season. Look at that, verse 31, and his mother and his brothers came. Who's missing? Come on, who's missing? You know. His father, Joseph, is missing. Where is this Joseph who, when he found out uh, that his his betrothed, uh, oh, sweet Mary, sweet Mary, sweet Mary is pregnant, and how he wanted to divorce her quietly. If that was me, unless God would have sent an angel, it wouldn't have been quiet. It would have been really, really loud, right? Uh, but uh, the same Joseph who supported his wife, where is he? He's gone. He's gone. He's out of the picture. I believe by this time he, had, of course, had passed away. Because there could be no confusion about who uh, the father was. There could be no confusion. It's just like when Jesus came onto the scene. Remember John the baptizer when he was out proclaiming the kingdom of God, uh, calling them snakes and serpents and bruised of vipers? Remember that very strong ministry? And then when he uh, began to preach, and then when Jesus came on the scene, what happened to John the, the, the baptizer? He was gone. So there could be no confusion here about who the father was to Jesus. Yet Jesus, in his response, he moved to redefine the identity of family in this faith movement uh, that has him at its core. Who are your family? Who are your brothers, your sisters? your mothers and your fathers. Our family are those who are obedient to the will of God through Jesus Christ. Simple as that. Our family are those who are obedient to the will of God through Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 3, verse 33. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and mother. And for that matter, even father, we can add. So your father, your mother, your brother and sister are not those who we are related to biologically, so to speak. Reading uh, verse 33 out of context, we could easily say that Jesus was taking the insanity plea. His mother and, his mother and brothers, uh, no, 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 I don't know who they are. They could really say, Jesus, that Jesus really is crazy. Could be said because it seems, according to that verse alone, he had lost track of reality. Why? Because he did not have, uh, he was saying a true a biological mother and brothers. He said it didn't exist. Right? They, they, did, uh, they weren't related to him. After all this time, 
He could not remember or refuse to recognize his own family as being related by blood. No wonder they were calling him insane, right? <laughs> we talked about how hurtful it could uh, to be to have your family accuse you of, of going out of your mind for the Lord, but it could also be just as hateful uh, to have someone who is your son to tell you, I am not your son. I am not your brother. <laughs> and when this happens, it often happens without God being in the picture, if that's true. But it's not so with Jesus in our passage today. Jesus asked this question because he knew uh, the people really didn't have an answer and they didn't know him. Now, to correctly answer this question, you must first be, to be able to know Jesus. So your father, your mother, your brother, your sister are those who are related to you spiritually. Amen? You, if you are in Christ, you are my brothers. You are my fathers. You are my sisters. You are my mothers in the faith. And quite frankly, it is a big plus. It is a, it, it is a huge plus to have someone who is related to you biologically and to have that same person related to you spiritually as well. That's a big plus. This means that the very family you have grown to love and live with will be uh, some of the same people that you will see in heaven. I know that you probably said some people who said that they're Christians, I'm going to be on the other side of heaven because I don't even want to get a chance to be around them. But the blood of Jesus Christ, it changes the whole game. From the very beginning, from Jesus' birth, we knew things would be different. Prior to Jesus entering the scene, the Jewish leaders and the other Jews insisted they were the ones related to the Messiah based on their lineage through Abraham. So they were saying that we're going to get into heaven, uh, that we really know the Messiah because we are related biologically to Abraham, that we are of the seed of Abraham, they would say. Matthew 3 and 9. Look at that. Matthew uh, chapter 3, verse 9. Just a flow of thought. John the baptizer said, And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, listen to this, God is able from these stones or these rocks uh, to, to raise up children for Abraham. And then look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8 verse 39. These are these Jewish leaders. And they answered him, and they said, Abraham is our father. You hear, you hear the pride that's in there? Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. So make no mistake, just because you may have wonderment in your mind about those who are uh, are." are biologically related within uh, the Jewish community. Uh, never uh, imagine for a moment that just because they are related through the blood that they're going to make it to heaven. Because we know there's only one way to make it to heaven, and that is faith alone in who alone? 
Christ alone, a faith alone, uh, in and through Christ alone. In our passage then, Jesus begins, again, pronouncements, pronouncing judgment on Israel because they believed they were entitled to this relationship with God regardless of how they act. Uh, you can act however you, uh, you, you want to act, and because I act that way, I'm going to be in uh, that relationship because I was born this way. You can't think you deserve anything and be arrogant about it at the same time. What makes you related to the Messiah and what makes you related to Abraham is not necessarily due to some physical birth, but it is made through faith alone. Jesus was saying to reject Abraham's actions and teachings were to reject the Messiah by default. Jesus looked around here, Mark 3, 34. Looking around that Jesus did points us to notice something important about what he had to say. And so Jesus took a look and he did not see what they saw. Uh, the people were looking on the exterior while, while God was looking on the interior. And he was saying what occurs naturally is not uh, the point. The point is, is not to have this one small myopic view, but understand that those who are related to Jesus Christ, are, are to God, are related through uh, the blood of Jesus. Faith alone, in Christ alone, through his blood alone. Jesus looked around and saw his mother and brothers sitting all around him. God who made human life from the dirt of the ground. Our Lord who raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus who calls the blind to see and the deaf to hear is also able to make family out of those who are not family. Amen? So relationship to God and his heavenly family is appropriated through Jesus Christ and the blood he would ultimately shed on Calvary for us. Remember what Hebrews says, that without faith it is impossible to please God. So if you decide to reject Christ, you are denying the need for faith in him in your life. You've heard uh, stories from people of other belief systems that have disowned family members because they have placed a faith in Jesus. For them, that was the ultimate insult. And not just in terms of, of their belief system because they were thinking that they're turning their backs on their family. And this is what our family did. We always did this particular religion. So when you go outside of that, you're no longer our family. Their faith is intertwined with their culture. And this is also why relationships with outsiders are so complex. But this is also important why we must live in a way that is true to the word of God and we don't necessarily live up to tradition, amen, but understand what the will of God is through Christ Jesus. Jesus, he never renounced his family, his natural family. The point he was making is that there is real priority with spiritual things. And the spiritual does and will ultimately take precedence. How is that possible to do while we live with people that may be unbelievers while we must interact with them on a daily basis? We must know who our family are. Go ahead, take a look around you right now. Look, take a look around the room. Who you see. 
if you are in the faith, if you know Christ, you see your brothers, sisters, mothers, your fathers. It's true. We are all family. Let's pray.